The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think, get you to feel, and who knows, maybe we'll get you to act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And once again, this week is no exception. Today, we're going to talk about near-death experiences. We're going to talk about mindfulness. We're going to talk about spirituality. But most importantly, we're going to talk about how to find what we're all about and discovering, rediscovering who we are instead of trying to be somebody else who we're not. It's really about rediscovering who we are. Our special guest is a return guest, and he's a real guy's guy. His name is Jacob Cooper. He's a licensed social worker. He's all about promoting healing. Uh, He's a speaker on grief, wisdom, consciousness. He offers meditation and mindfulness seminars to help others find purpose and overcome fears of life and death. Again, he's a clinical social worker. His first book about his near-death experience at age three was a bestseller called Life After Breath, and he's got a new book, and I think he's really blossomed as an author and a spiritual teacher and messenger. It's called The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. I read it over the weekend, and it's terrific. And I'm so glad that Jacob's really coming into his own because he's a young guy, and he's a good guy, and he's a guy's guy, and I'm thrilled to have him back on Guys Guys Radio. So, you know, we're talking about near-death experiences today, and I know not many people have had near-death experiences nor think about them, but it's interesting because I've interviewed a number of guests who've gone through that process, and to a person, their life has transformed in a way where they want to share and give back. They found that on the other side, there's a lot of love there. Time is not in, on the same kind of 3D continuum that we experience here. It seems like time, everything's kind of happening at the same time, but there's so much more that people see and feel when they get over to the other side, and a lot of them don't want to come back. In Jacob's case, he was three years old, so imagine having that near-death experience. He, he got hurt at the playground. He went to the other side and he came back. Now he's a three-year-old. Who knows? It might have been like a fun experience for a three-year-old, but according to Jacob, and he'll tell his story, there was a lot more because his higher self kind of helped him see a lot of things. So when he came back, it was actually challenging because he's a three-year-old and he just picked up all this new knowledge. Now, as you know, what we do on Guys Guys Radio, I go out and find guests that I think have something to offer, something to share that's worth learning more about or thinking about or at least saying, wow, now I understand what that's all about. I leave it up to you to determine, do you want to learn more about near-death experiences? Do you want to learn more about mindfulness and spirituality? I will tell you this, that men and women all over the world are becoming more and more open and interested in what's out there beyond our everyday experience and all the nonsense that we're dealing with in our current state of affairs in our country and in in this world, on this planet right now. It's just there's a lot of chaos and there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of fear and nobody likes that. So sometimes the best refuge is to go inside and rediscover who we really are. 
And that's what we're going to do today, once again, on Guys Guys Radio. I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Jacob Cooper. So, hey, let's do it right now. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, our very special portion of the show where we have a wonderful guest. He's a return guest. He's a guys guy. And today we're going to talk about near-death experiences or NDEs. We're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about death. We're going to talk about spirituality and really not trying to find who you want to be, but really going back to learning about who we really are and being happy with that. The name of my guest, my return guest is Jacob Cooper. He holds a master of social work. He's a a degree licensed clinical social worker, Reiki master, hypnotherapist. He's written two books uh, about his near-death experience, and he's got a new one called Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. And it's he's an, a really an amazing guy. He's passionate about promoting healing. He's a best-selling author of his first book, Life After Breath. The new book, again, is Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. He's a sought-after speaker. He's very articulate. He's a young guy, but he really has a lot of wisdom. He's an expert on grief, wisdom, consciousness. He offers meditation and mindfulness seminars to help others find purpose and overcome fear of life and also after death. So welcome back to Guys Guys Radio, Jacob Cooper. How are you, my man? Robert, an honor to be back on your show. The day has come. Thank you. Thank you for having me on and all that you do. All right. Well, good. Thank you. I'm thrilled to have you here. So you say, let's get right to it. I decided to write The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder, believe that we all have a story or a karma. We also have the ability not to be defined by our stories. What is the significance of your new book, Jacob? The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. That's that's, that's, that's a great question. You know, I had my NDE or near-death experience, which we'll get into. And that's, you know, something that I walked into. You know, it happened. It happened when I was three years old. But my real work was making sense of it, processing it, understanding what exactly that experience was and how I could ground it and translate it, you know, into this experience. So The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder, you know, is a teaching book, a guidebook, but also really breaks down the hereafter, lessons from the hereafter, my NDE for the here now, um, so that we don't have to wait until we die to kind of have awareness of that place where we're going, but we could integrate it in our very lives. Let's let's talk about this. You're just for context for folks who may not be familiar with your work yet. And I think there's going to be a lot more folks who do get familiar with your work because you do great work. But you had an NDE, near-death experience. And I want you to explain to people what exactly that is, because it was a very brief time when you were three years old. You were, I think, climbing up a ladder and you I don't know if you fell or, or you hit your head, but you were out. And it wasn't a long period of time, but you were on the other side. And on the other side, time is a little bit different, where it might have been three to five minutes in our time, 3D time. It could have been like an eternity on the other time because time is not happening on a continuum as we experience it. So put that into context for everybody, exactly what happened. And then I would like you to explain, if you will, how that information that you got from the other side kind of took so long to come out. It seems to be still coming out of you where you're in your early 30s now, I assume. And this mm-hmm. took place when you're three years old, yet you are still learning from this experience. 
Yeah, no, it's it's a great two part question, Robert. You know, September of 1993, I had something called pertussis, otherwise known as whooping cough. You know, and I wasn't diagnosed with it, but I went to a park in a playground as a very young boy. And, you know, due to this whooping cough, and I actually have a cough right now, but I'm not going to have an NDE on, on our show. I promise <laughs> I'll talk about mine, but God willing, I won't have one. Um, you know, I was climbing a ladder up onto a slide and I began to just suffocate due to whooping cough, which is very common for infants, children, and some rare cases, adults, um, you know, to happen. And, you know, after suffocating, all parts of my body and my brain, you know, ceased to function. You know, the last part that I was able to remember was my brain. And, you know, due to the deprivation of oxygen, I just felt my brain literally snap in half or like a large crack in half in my brain. And once the saying goes, my brain cracked in half, that's when God came in. And that literally happened to me. And I had this profound NDE, which for those of you unfamiliar with it, you know, was coined by my friend and uh, colleague and, uh, you know, ins um, inspiration of the term Dr. Rima Moody in his book, Life After Life, but near-death experiences. You're clinically dead or on the precipice of the body going, but you have this whole other awareness. So there's this mind and brain thing going on where the body and the brain stops working, but this higher mind continues to have awareness. And so for myself in Life After Breath, my first book, I really do chronicle a lot of the a lot of the classic uh, kind of um, references of NDEs that many people had that I experienced, which is encounters with my own spirit guides, awareness of you know angels that I experienced. I was aware of you know it's a limited term, but the best way I could describe it as God, um, past lives. You know there was a Jesus awareness. Uh, there was awareness of that this life was you know, not random, that there was a purpose behind it. And I was aware of what I would be doing within this life. So he mentioned that term karma and what this life was about. So it was full-blown, incredibly profound. But you make a great reference that, you know, we're used to time here, you know, and our minds have this linear time of the weeks and the months. But when you're there, yes, there is a timelessness. But the timelessness is in a great place of peace where all is well, was well, it will be well is the best way to describe it. You're in this endless place of euphoria where you don't have to do anything to be anything. You already are in this place of ultimate bliss and love and acceptance and just are able to bask it in that place, you know, for mm -hmm. eternity. And now, it was, yeah. well, you, were, you were three at the time. So that's a, that's a, big, that's a big experience for anybody. As a three-year-old, I guess it's a two-sided coin there where it was an adventure that a three-year-old would say, oh, wow, I'm in this special place and there's so much love. But then there is a wisdom that you were given or granted or that you realized that you had about why we were here, what's going on on the other side, that there is another side mm -hmm. about spirituality, about choices, about your past lives. I mean, these are heavy duty concepts for a three-year-old. Yet as a three-year-old, it could be that you're so open at that time frame that it might be the perfect time to have an NDE. I don't know. What, how do you, looking back and then putting yourself in that position as a three-year-old, how did you process that? I, I always say two things could be true at the same time. You know, in our world, we just say, you know, you were this and you were that. You know, I think we could be both our human personalities but underneath that, we have this infinite soul. And so 
I think for all of us, we have different lifetimes and we experience ourselves as the personality as Robert and, you know, based with the cultural and, and, and all the upbringing of it and our chronological age that we're experiencing ourselves in this lifetime. Yeah, but that's just an experience of the soul. That's a journey of the soul in this lifetime. Beyond that is an infinite soul with, you know, infinite degrees of lifetimes and experiences. You know, so sometimes we get caught up with this lifetime as a totality of who we are, but we we forget that's an experience. But beyond that, you know, is an infinite soul having this these different human experiences through lifetimes. So there, yes, you could be a chronological soul, you know, as a three-year-old, but then there's also a higher awareness of you on a soul level. So my NDE, I had ways where I would just kind of like go back and forth with my three-year-old kind of self in a way, but, you know, that's on the surface. But beyond that, I was able to see it through the, you know, seat of my soul, you know, the eyes of my soul, really, the depths of my being. Um, but once I really fully transitioned and crossed over, it was like a full soul experience and it wasn't just my three-year-old self having this. But what I'll say is there's um, an external portrayal of what the world sees us when we're very young and infants, which is a very limiting accumulation of reality. You know, just because kids can't articulate what's happening doesn't mean on some level they're not processing, you know, things or they're not kind of thinking things through. They just it's kind of like a guitar player getting used to its instrument when we come here in the body and being able to have things line up and sped up with each other, you know, within time. You know, it's interesting. I have a, I have a nine-year-old and, you know, he's a nine-year-old and we have talks and we were, we practice, we were practicing baseball right before our interview and um, something happened to him. I picked him up at school and there was a little something that went on and I talked to him, but instead of my talking to him, like father to son, I, I did my best based on, being reminded through your wonderful book, The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder, about we need to be able to talk to kids as, as adults. I don't mean like adult adult, but with the respect that they are sentient beings just like us. They're just, right. you know, they're still just getting the ground under them. They're getting more and more comfortable. And who knows how many lives they've had or not had. I mean, they, this could be their first time in a human body. We don't know. Right. We don't know, but right. it was such great teaching. So how did you get that? Um, that's a wonderful insight that you get, that the way to deal with kids really is really treat them with respect and give them a lot more credit than many times we do because we're so it's so easy because kids do crazy stuff and we, it's so easy to wag the finger at them. Yeah, I mean, I think we just kind of look at them with our physical eyes. You know, the degree of understanding comes from your vantage point. When you're coming from, you know, your physical eyes and you're coming from our minds, we could only see things from that vantage point. But when you're coming from a deeper part of you, you could expand what you can see. And so I think when you come from your inner being, you could have transparency as not just, okay, this kid is my son, nine-year-old is experiencing that, but you could start to see their souls, not just, you know, their their bodies are just kind of themselves in this limited kind of developmental trajectory you know, in this life, but beyond that, there's a you beyond the you in a way. There's a mm -hmm. world beyond this world, mm -hmm. um, you know, so there's something beyond what meets the eye. Um, so I, I think it really has to, has to do with depth. And the deeper we are, the more that we connect to, the more we could see, um, okay. you know, but, but I think really it's, it's trying to like train yourselves to look up at kids and not down at kids.
<laughs> no, it's a, I, I gotta tell you, it's a great book. My special guest, Jacob Cooper, the name of his book, the new one is The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. Here, let me read you some of the chapter names. And you'll really get a sense as to what this book is really all about. Because again, Jacob had an NDE at age three, and he wrote a book about that. Now he's he's really, to me, uh, blossoming as a spiritual messenger and teacher. And his new book, The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder, has chapters like Re-Remembering Your Nature, The Illusion of Loneliness, The Individual and the Collective, The Light at the End of the Ladder, Transforming Grief to Knowing, Uncovering, uncovering Your Superpowers, Life, Afterlife. There's a lot of big themes here. And it's a really book it's a, it's a book that can really help people. So thank you so much again for being here, Jacob. Let, let's talk a little bit about um, grief. One of the themes through your new book is uh, grief comes across uh, quite often because you lost you lost uh, some relatives, your grandmother, I believe, recently. Lost a grandmother and um, my, my best friend. And, and, and your best friend. And uh, and that obviously we're in the 3D world and we believe that we keep going, but still it hurts. So tell us how you as an individual, Jacob, deal with grief and how from a bigger perspective, we need to begin to attempt to look at it to see that, you know, death is not the end. It actually is part of a, it's a step on the journey. Yeah. Well, I, I think belief could work very well with grief, you know, belief in something else. I think, you know, a major... A major hopeful takeaway from, you know, the Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder is to start to see maybe your loved one as not six feet under the ground, but maybe as as someone who's continuing on their journey. And if you're able to have, you know, that perspective, it could help. Uh, but just because you know that there's a life after their death doesn't mean that you'll have a life, you know, after their, you know, you know, a life after their death for yourself. So I think we have to find ways to to have a life after their death too within our life. Um, but you know, I, I think it's important for people to be able to have two realities coexist. As I said, two things could be true. You could believe in and know the afterlife, but you could also be human and have human moments and grief. And it's important to not judge yourself. Or to um, it, it just kind of say, oh, my God, I'm so spiritual, but I'm hurting. Not at all. You know, grief could be a great gateway for compassion, for empathy, for understanding others with loss. You know, and it could also be transformative. Um, I think with grief, I, I think a big takeaway that I get from it is, you know, I listened to David Kessler from the Kubler-Ross, the, the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation, who I mentioned in my book. But David emphasizes that. Grief is is like a river that it's important to not resist it or to try not to judge it, but to understand that it's kind of like hardwired in our DNA. We've come from thousands of generations of loss and people who came before us, but just to allow that river to flow organically and not to resist it, and it will be able to transform you know, agony and suffering into potential meaning and love, but we have to allow it to, to unfold as well as utilize some helpful supportive systems that will not make our grief worse, but to be able to help us process it and understand it without judgment. So. What, what do you think that the, the passing of your friend w taught you? And do you think it was something as part of your, your karma or your journey to, of learning? Or was it a, 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 your take as a human being? Or was it a random thing that you're going to learn from it? Because it's just something that happened. How do you, how do you take the loss of a very close friend like that? I think there's always a seesaw, you know, from our end and their end in terms of learning. Learning never stops, whether you're here or there. 
uh, at least to me, it was, you know, when when it's someone's time, you know, it's not something that we could control. We could try to influence it. But people, much like when I had my NDE, I understood that we don't belong to this world. This is a temporary experience. And we are really have, we're spiritual beings. So we belong to a much higher intelligence and everything is within rhyme and purpose. It may not make sense to us here now, you know, but we belong to such a, a greater intelligence. So I think it's really trusting that we we want to hold them. They, we want them to be here, but there's reasonings for timing within passing, despite the untimeliness of it, despite us wanting to hold on to them. We're forever connected to them, but we don't own own them. You know, mm-hmm. they really, you know, we all belong to a higher place and we're here you're just as tourists in this human experience, you know. Now, Jacob, you mentioned kind of you keeping in touch with people, those who have passed that it's it's not it's not a crazy wild ass thing to think of that, but we can actually reach out and through our hearts really feel them and communicate with them and they're available to us. Tell us how that works for because for a lot of people they're like, well they're gone and I'm hurting and I don't want to fool myself. How does that how does that work for you? And how should it work for folks out there? What do they need think, to consider? I think what's important is to be very gentle with it. A lot of people try to force, you know, connection with the spirit realm. And part of that is just how we're hardwired, like to have this grand experience. It's like you need to like tent yourself or do something kind of crazy. And that's not the case. I think it's really very gentle, very loving, you know, and it's very, it's very soft. But I think it's paying attention with curiosity. And being very mindful of things and just kind of being in flow and not trying to force it, but allow it to come to you, you know, so it's it's very fluid and it's really about receiving, not about self-inducing or creating, you know, something. But um, I, I think if we are paying attention in the right way and not trying to force it, you'll find undeniable signs and symbols in connection you know, with, with that loved one. I know I certainly have. You know, from seeing their name and just kind of things that I just know that they would send me specifically. So uh, being being attentive, you know, the, the more we pay attention, the more that we could really see and experience. I want you to, I, this is a little bit off track of the book, but it's, you're, you are a spiritual teacher now. And I, I want to know about this. The, to me, gratitude has changed my life. Once I kind of hardwired gratitude into, I wake up every morning and maybe it's because I'm a little bit older now. I say, thank you for this, 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 and this. And it feels like it's the same as finishing up my workout and doing my pushups or whatever. I've got to say, and I'm not doing it on purpose. It's not something I'm being forced to do, but I am truly full of appreciation for just being able to be here and present right now. How has gratitude changed your life? What do our listeners need to know about the importance of gratitude? Well, there's a great saying by the uh, spiritual teacher, Zig Ziglar, mm-hmm. that says, gratitude, not aptitude, will define your altitude. And I love that, you know, because in a sense, um, you know, sometimes in our world, we kind of focus on something that we need to have in order to be. We need to do something in order to be something. And I think that has nothing to do with happiness. You know, that has nothing to do with our state of consciousness. Our state of consciousness is really appreciating life within life itself, you know, and being able to transform ourselves, you know, to see the beauty in it all. 
you know, this is the way of thinking and, and acting like God in a way. We were seeing the beauty past the surface. And so this is a real kind of tenet in my book where a lot of people want to go to heaven as a destination, not seeing that it's something that you could experience in this moment. So gratitude is an excellent way to really amplify your consciousness and to really experience life through a whole new gear. Um, I think life should be also about curiosity. You know, just because we tried a certain gear of life or seeing things in life through a certain way, what's the point of entering tomorrow if we can't try a different gear? And to just kind of play with it and test with it. And you'll find through kind of this, you know, playfulness and testing other gears, your experiences on this world could be profound. And it could be one planet that we're living on, but it could be like, a, feel like a literally a whole new planet. But but attitude and gratitude is everything. You could take everything from anyone, and all the spiritual masters understand this. But attitude is our, where our real freedom lies within, you know, and that's between our two ears and our choices of what we decide to focus on, what we decide to experience. That's reality. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to, you know, minimize or marginalize anybody's, you know, pain or the challenges they have on a day to day basis. We all have problems and some people have a lot more problems than other people but there's always if you go deep down there's always something that we can be grateful for absolutely you know in in my book was you know and i'm jewish my book was released on holocaust remembrance day i didn't even try uh but when i think of holocaust remembrance day i think of one man who changed modern day psychology and and the way that people look at the world is is dr Viktor e. frankel a holocaust survivor and he's he was you know, stripped of everything. Everything was taken from him when he was in the concentration camps, but he found the most freedom in his ability to choose his attitude, his focus. And he, he understood that life is very much from an inside out. Um, so there's people who have everything who have nothing and people who have nothing who have everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. the, and the format is a possibility from people before us. Yeah, you mentioned an interesting point. Um... We should touch on it because you're Jewish and you've discovered the Christ consciousness. Now, we all know that Jesus was Jewish and Jesus yeah. didn't know what Christianity was. So let's get real, everybody. So you've been able to realize that the consciousness, not the person himself, Yahshua, uh, but, but the Christ consciousness that we all share is really what it's all about. How did you go through the process of uh, processing that? And dealing with that as 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 a Jew, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, it's just funny and the I, way the way that Jesus looked as a Jew because he's probably more Jewish than any Jew out there. <laughs> you know, he's right from Israel, and you know, and his, <laughs> I, I kind of see him as like a socialistic reform rabbi, if anything. Um, you know, and what was he saying wasn't wasn't radical. I think some of the ideas, you know, through the Crusades and. You know, other things were, were taken in the, in the absolute wrong context. And so I can understand, you know, some of their points. But it comes back to the point that I was making where it's like, all right, you, ha you have me in front of you, but beyond you, there's this consciousness. And that goes far beyond the representation of yourself, you know, in this body, in this human form. Uh, so for myself, I, I never really got into the religion element of it. What separates spirituality and religion is spirituality is more of like, a collective set, you know, organized belief system, but spirituality is very personal. It's very personal. And that's your relationship with that energy, with God, with, with ascended masters. 
so so for me i i wasn't like into the whole uh you know theatrics of it all and display of it and mm. i think for some people that's great it was more like very just personalized and something that i had with me so i had a very different perception than you know the religion of it the religious side of it as to me it was something very close to heart and personal it wasn't something externalized mm-hmm. or something that i needed vip or something that i would be angry about if someone had a different belief it was something innately inside of me not outside of me you know well, well stated and i i asked the question with all all respect to all religions but you know religions are always about it seems to be about us or them or there's so much divisiveness a yeah. lot of times with religions and if you look at all the religions around the world you could argue that they're all kind of saying the same things but in different Everybody's in kind of a different tribe or camp or whatever. Right. So let's like, why do we have to get all organized <laughs> like that? So anyhow, when you were when you were in your near death experience, you talked about um, understanding what happened in your previous incarnations. I believe you had a suicide, and you also discussed with your guides kind of a pre life preparation. Now those are heavy duty concepts for uh, the three year old, but I guess your higher self was involved in that. How did that all work out? And when did you begin to, when you were back uh, after the experience, when did you begin to process that? And are you still now processing things from that near-death experience, Jacob? Yes. You know, every day, uh, you know, know, so the series of events was the narrative of the events, but the meaning, the substance that I have grows with every day as I practice this awareness, as I practice looking at things through a deeper lens and allowing it to come to me. This way, you know, for me, I don't have to go to heaven. I already embody, embody it by remembering it. And so my NDE is no different than anyone listening, where we come from the other side, we're forever connected to it. You know, speaking of Jesus himself, you know, he said the kingdom is within. It's not out, It's not outside of us thousands of miles away. It's right within us. So we we, we don't, we could remember it, we could connect to it, and we could always find ways to, to integrate it. Um, you know, with, with my NDE, you know, there was, a, there was a clear recollection, not just in my NDE, but subsequently throughout my childhood years and teenage years, where I just get these glimpses and memories of, of past lives and, you know, these dreams and this constant vision of this life between life that I had. Was, you know, it's kind of interesting, though, I, I, I wasn't going around labeling it, you're identifying it. It was just kind of like this weird but annoying thing at the same time, or just kind of wanted to push it away and be a kid. But, you know, all this stuff would just come to me, you know, just sure. kind of be more of a, it's a little bit like Matt Damon in the hereafter with his intuitive <laughs> gifts. Like I just wanted to just like push it away and play sports. And because to survive, I needed to kind of push this away. But later in life to thrive, I needed to make sense of it all. I needed to own it. I couldn't come to a point where I could run or hide from it anymore. Uh, but my my last life in which I, uh, you know, had death by suicide, and I use the term death because there's, you know, in our world we say commit. Uh, I say you don't commit cancer, you don't commit a heart attack. It's mental illness is no different than physical illness to me. You know, it's not a weakness, not a succumb, but it's just, you know, a, a struggle that that takes a lot of strength to cope with on a daily basis. But um, I, I really, for me at least, I, I understood how the NDE and that last lifetime which i um you know had had a death by suicide was so intertwined um in a sense like my back was against the wall in that last lifetime and i saw no hope out of a situation you know and you know i i, I made a decision 
uh, flash forward to my NDE, I was just suffocated. I saw no life. I was at, at the abyss of any possible sensation that he could have in, suff- in, suff- in suffocating. You know, and then I decided to surrender to something else, this deep power that was always inside of me, that always around me. So there's, you know, at times we could be out of breath, we could be out of sorts, and life could suffocate us. But then there's a breath of eternity, and that's who we are. Mm-hmm. And so there's ability to rise out of the ashes, you know, and I certainly am proof of having an NDE. But I think you look at any transformative teacher or being that had some degree of that moment, and Instead of running away from it, they went right into it, and they were found themselves really much awakened. Mm-hmm. So, so light, yeah. So did you find that, And because a lot of people say, oh, if you take your life, then you're kind of punished on the other side. And you, from your experience, that was not the case. It was about, <laughs> and your perspective seems to be, you should really congratulate those people for having been able to deal with the pain for the amount of time that they had to deal with it while they were on this 3D, you know, uh, experience. Talk to us about that because people, a lot of people have a, uh, they don't really take the time to, to, to process what suicide is all about and the right. pain that people for you, for somebody to take their life, they're in great pain. And I don't think enough people yeah. acknowledge that part of it. They just see the act itself. Right. I, you know, I think God's not an abusive sociopath. I'd like to think at least God is not an abusive, sociopathic, narcissistic, parent that we may have had or court judge or cop or you know principal it's so far beyond this this realm but we kind of project our prior experiences of authority you know onto god but you know what all loving god would kick someone when they're at their very lowest you know you know it makes it makes no sense um you know i at least i see myself as living proof that there's no purgatory you know, from from my experience, if anything, it was incredibly healing and uh, something that I was able to obviously move on from. You know, life doesn't stop at death. It doesn't stop at, you know, suicide. There are lessons we go through. We are infinite, eternal beings. And so no matter what happens, you know, we have opportunity. You know, it's a school. It's not a death sentence where you make one bad choice and then that's it. You know, there's there's opportunity doesn't mean that there's not an ability to have some difficulty or, or to learn from it. I do believe from completion we begin, uh, but it's depending on how you see it. You could see that as a victimized, you know, kind of viewpoint. You could see that as, as, as an opportunity, you know, so like we said, it's our attitudes are really everything. And it's like, which one we choose will become our experience. Um, but that attitude of gratitude, which, you know, and again, we could have our human moments. Of course, we flip the bird, we get upset, but then we are able to pivot to a reality that we know is true, you know, mm-hmm. that lasts. And beauty lasts, these painful moments of life come and go, and they're often doorways to get to that beauty. Okay, my very special guest on Guys Guys Radio, welcome back, Jacob Cooper. The name of the book is The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. It's a terrific read. It's one of those books where I I couldn't just breeze through it to get ready for the show. I read the whole book, and I'm so glad I did because it was terrific, and there's a lot of big concepts that are in there that are important, and there's some solutions too. So one of the things that you really believe in, as I do, Jacob, is the power of meditation and the importance of going in. It seems like if we want to change the world, and I know it's it's like a hackneyed old expression, old expression, but you've got to go within 
to change everything on the outside. And it seems like for some people, oh, you're just thinking about yourself. But if you don't make yourself better, if you don't try to get in touch with the God that's within, how are you, you, otherwise you're just reacting over and over again to all that stuff that's going on on the outside. Talk to us about meditation and the power and importance of going inside to heal. Yeah. I think when you see yourself as a body, we understand how to take care of the body. You know, there's respect. You brush your teeth, you use mouthwash, you do everything. But once you understand that you have a soul, there's a great power and there's a great responsibility. You know, so much like a cell phone, we charge a cell phone, we have these cell phones that are connected to realities far beyond this one. And so when you're able to really connect to, to your inner being, um, you're connecting to the real you, the you beyond the thought energy, the emotion energy, just this pure loving place. And when you connect to that place, you could see the world through this lens. And this is the, you know, I call it the God lens, that, that part of you that's really able to see things at the greater depths. You know, so there's, there's a saying, you know, the, the quieter you become, the more you could hear. And mm-hmm. so meditation isn't fighting the mind. The mind will kind of do its thing or fighting our thoughts but it's going beyond the surface of the water into the depths where we could see clearer, you know, and it is a practice. And so you could sit in a chair and meditate, or you could really practice everyday meditation, which to me is mindfulness, you know, which is carrying that awareness in your everyday life and living with awareness, focus, but most importantly, empathy, compassion, and grace and wisdom with the world that you encounter. Just so folks know, there's some very, uh, and I, I love this, there's some simple meditations in the book that anybody can do. It's not because so many people say, I can't stop my mind. There's so much going on. I've got all the <laughs> monkey chatter. And we all understand that. You just start slowly. And Jacob gives us a couple of really easy to do meditations to get inside to kind of quiet down. And also just even getting out in nature is something that people often overlook, particularly if we live in big cities and stuff. You know, as I know from living in New York City and Manhattan for 30 years, I would step into Central Park and everything would change. And just because it's the lungs of the city and this, the energy was so different and it was it's so important that it's there. I'm so glad that the, they developed that. And it's just, I think New York really needs a respite and it's a great place and it's still a great place, but nature itself is so, so healing. Um, let me ask you something else, uh, Jacob, about uh, another concept in the book that I think is so important is surrender. You talk about the power of surrender and how important it is. A lot of people think of surrender as, well, that's a weakness. I'm giving up. But surrender actually is more of an acknowledgement. Talk to us about that. Yeah, no, that, that's a great question, Robert. You know, to me, um, I work as a therapist, I know, full-time as a psychotherapist with a background in recovery orientation. and you know, surrender is a big part of, of being a client, whether that's mental health or recovery orientation. Surrendering doesn't means in a sense that, you know, you're you're able to address the problem, you're able to address the issue, and you're able to have support. I think a lot of people create the problem by trying to muscle it all on their own and not being able to utilize support. You know, I think if we were meant to do it all, all on our own, we would be born alone. But there's billions of inhabitants here on the planet, um, and we're there to coexist, but also to be able to be supported by the right resources at hand. And so we don't have to do this alone. Um, but I think in our world, we're, we're taught that, you know, if, 
surrendering is giving up and and it's not it's it's starting to address what it is and it's and it's responsible and it's and it's a very powerful thing to do and i know certainly it's why i'm here today i was having this painful suffocation of losing my physical breath and i surrendered to the breath of eternity and that's what saved at least you know my life and allowed me to to live in a way and I think that saves so many other lives if they're dealing with addiction or mental health conditions where they're able to not see, you know, it as, as waving the white flag, but really starting your path to recovery and taking initiation towards the change process. You know, you talk about um, superpowers, that everybody has superpowers. And I always say that we have so much more power than we think we have because we're told that we know nothing and yet we know a lot. And I think there's real effort made to kind of keep us stupid, if you will, or thinking we're not very smart. What, tell us about our superpowers and how we can tap into that and really get the best out of life. Yeah, I mean, so much of this world has created our mind and how we see ourselves. And to me, spirituality is tapping into something beyond this world and it reverses that equation where your spirit or your mind creates the world that you live in. So instead of having an identity which which is shaped on the world from the outside in, you know, the world's projections onto you and all the limitations that they may see yourself, and many people internalize that, you're able to kind of burn that away and see yourself in, in, in a lot more of your pure form as someone who's not, someone who's on this earth, but not of this earth. And I think really uh, what stops a lot of people is 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 the power of belief and how they see themselves. And, you know, the beautiful thing about NDEs or spiritual transformative experiences, or even the shakeups of the soul is they kind of force us to surrender to something maybe different than the pain that we're experiencing as a survival skill. We're holding on to so much pain, so we could either continue holding on to it, or we, or we could be changed by surrendering to something else and another way of living and seeing the world. And for the first time, maybe being living while we're living and being aware instead of asleep at the wheel. But the love inside of us, the love around us is something that we constantly forget. We think we're just alone on this journey, but we all have you know, spirit guides and higher angels with us. We have so much you know, force and, and ammo and beauty that's with us. And we just, <laughs> it's just so comical, the limiting belief systems that so many of us carry. Just Seeing ourselves as our name or our age, you know, it's something limiting because we're not that. We ex we are experiencing that, but that's not the full totality of who we are. So, what would be your best advice, um, Jacob, for everybody out there to be able to tap into all those resources that we have, whether it's soul family, spirit guides, loved ones who have left us, um, angels, spirit itself where we don't get into a feeling of separation or God is the guy up on the mountain with the white beard. How do we really tap into everything that's available for us, knowing that God in many ways is within? I think the first step is to be willing to be vulnerable. By vulnerable, I mean that we constantly try to hold on to the reality as we see it, that it's very scary to let go of that and to see life in a different way. So I think in order to really find ourselves, we have to be willing to lose a part of ourselves that we were holding on that's untrue and unhealthy. But the nature of life is we'd rather have an unhealthy comfort zone than a healthy and real comfort zone. So I think being vulnerable is that first step. And once you're able to be vulnerable, 
you know, we could get into some of these other practices like meditation, which I view meditation as intimacy with eternity. You know, once you really meditate, you don't have to have an NDE because you know there's a you beyond the you, a world beyond this world. You just understand there's a timelessness and there's just this part of you that you know will go on beyond this body. You really are able to tap into the real you um, in a way. So I think being able to, to meditate um, is, is good, but finding a meditation practice that sticks with you. Some meditation might be a little bit more active than you think. I know I certainly work with clients on movement kind of therapy and just kind of shaking things up in order for those particles, you know, to, to slow down. But, you know, I think meditation could be helped by the brain. You know, I understood the brain is not the creator of life, but the filter of life. And so the more open the brain is and the more relaxed the brain is, the more that we could be a conduit of the two worlds to be in our life. And those those doorways could open more and they could be a part of ourselves and our lives. We have to be aware of it. We have to pay attention to what that doorway is and get a flavor and an understanding of that door. Okay, last question. A lot of people are afraid, uh, they have fear, and they think there's a hell. Talk to us real quick about fear and hell. I know it's a loaded question. You can go on and on about it. <laughs> yeah. I think hell could be something that we experience here, and heaven is something that we could experience here. But once you cross over, I can assure you from firsthand account and thousands of true NDE accounts, when you're in the other side and you cross over, there is no hell as we see it. Hell is something that we have experienced here. But the idea is, is to not make that big of a gap between over there and over here. And the more that we're able to remember this and the greater light that we have, the more that this world could be lit and with love, you know, and compassion and awareness. And we could really have, you know, heaven on earth and the hereafter and the here now. You know, that's the goal. Fantastic. <laughs> Jacob Cooper, my special guest on Guys Guys Radio. The name of the book is The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. And you know what? Folks, we're just two guys. We were talking before the show. <laughs> we were trying to find a way to talk about sports. Yeah. And I was looking for it throughout our conversation. I'm like, I can't just jam in the, the Jets into this conversation. But <laughs> I, I think the I think the takeaway is that that we're regular guys. And there's more and more men like this us out there who want to talk about this stuff and really, really want to get in touch with themselves and aren't being preachy or anything else like that about really what is out there and how we can discover who we really are and there's a lot more to things than what we're being told by the mass media so just look inside love yourself uh final words of advice for our listeners and viewers jacob i would say in line of sports you know a, a good friend of mine george mumford was the secret wet x factor behind phil jackson and so I know a lot of athletes listening think, okay, meditation, those are for the hippies and stuff like that. Not at all. Michael Jordan meditated, you know, Kobe meditated, the Bulls, the Lakers, Olympic athletes. So you know, anyone who wants to have a high degree of performance and to really enhance their craft gets into meditation and mindfulness. It's just another gear to really sharpen your ability. So I, I want to be very clear with that. But I also want to be clear that... Um, a lot of what we speak of is something familiar. I don't think people would still be watching to this segment if stuff that we were speaking about didn't hit them in some level. That might come with some resistance because that's a defense kind of thing where all of a sudden, geez, I need to change the way that I'm living and I'd rather hold on to it. So I'll 
I'll just kind of say this is kind of lunacy or crazy. What I'll say, though, is there is so much mounting evidence with the afterlife and the hereafter from people who've had near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, evidential mediumship, but there's very little, little evidence of material reductionalism of death that there's nothing that goes on beyond the body. You know, there's a lot more evidence building every day that there's more than the body. So I think if anything, hopefully people can understand that you may be, you may very well be able to bury a body, but you can never bury a soul. Your know, soul will go well, on beyond the body. Well stated. Where can everybody find you, Jacob, and get your book? Yes, so people could find me on my website at jacoblcooper.com, and there I have all my social media handles. And my book, the my two books, The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder and Life After Breath, are both available primarily through Amazon, although I do sell, um, I do sell autographed copies as well you know, through my website. I love you, man. Thanks for being back on Guys Guys Radio. We'll see you again soon. An honor. Thank you, Robert. Keep okay. up great work. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay, another terrific interview with my buddy, Jacob Cooper, who's a real guy's guy. And you know, this is a guy who goes out there, he's a social worker. He goes around and social workers aren't, you know, they don't make a lot of money. I know because my wife was a social worker before we kind of got together. And uh, she went to the toughest neighborhoods in New York City by herself and knocked on doors based on where the assignments was, were and uh, helped people out. And Jacob does the same thing. He also does seminars on grief and really helps people out. And that's what these social workers do. And it's, you know, if we have these professional athletes make ridiculous 200, 300, 400 million dollars. And we have social workers making like less than a hundred grand and working their butts off to, to make this world livable and a better place. So I think what we learned from Jacob today is, you know, the answers are sometimes with all the chaos and the fear and anger that's out there, the, the best place to go to work on ourselves and make the world a better place is by just doing that. Work on yourself, go inside, meditate, get out in nature, quiet time, find, find that time for yourself each and every day. I know we get busy. But you can always find five minutes or so to just go inside and be quiet and maybe do some steady rhythmic breathing and really appreciate. Think about no matter what your troubles are, and we all have a lot of them, and I'm not marginalizing or minimizing the troubles people have, but there's always something to be thankful for. So if you can start that practice each and every day and maybe even wake up and say thank you that we're here, we're all in this together, that can be a really good step. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here on KCAA Radio in Southern California every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific Time. 106.5 FM, 1050 AM. The show re-airs every Sunday, once again in prime time, at 6 p.m. Pacific Time on KCAA. They also stream the show. They have their own podcast, I believe, and they have all these other platforms that the, the shows are launched on. Every Thursday, our podcast, Guys Guys Radio, goes worldwide along with our Rumble and YouTube channels. And then on Friday through Sunday, we're on UK Health Radio, which is a digital internet radio station. We're on four times over the weekend, and they also have their own podcast, etc. So 
And I think they're going to come up with a YouTube show soon, YouTube platform soon, so that'll be great also. But for now, we're pretty much available everywhere you consume your content, whether you want to watch it or listen to it, we're there for you. If you want to support the show, if you like the guests and the content I bring you each and every week, then all you need to do is just follow me, follow Guys Guys Radio, Guys Guys TV, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just look up my name, Robert Manny, Guys Guys TV, and it's there. And that's all I ask you. And keep an open mind about the guests I bring you, because what I'm here to do is bring you interesting guests, bring you new information, and let you determine if something that works for you. But I promise you, I'm going to bring you new information. Remember last week we talked about oxalates. I knew nothing about it. I got a guest sent to me. I read the book. I'm like, wow, people need to know about this. So that's what I'm doing here. So I appreciate your support. You can also catch me on my website, robertmanny, M-A-N-N-I.com. I've got over 300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness there. You can also download three free chapters of my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. It's a rom-com, but it's really about something, and it's been called The Male Successor to Sex in the City. And it's about two dudes in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in New York City. But there's a message there, and there's redemption there. And I think you'll have a lot of fun with the book. It's got great reviews. You can download three free chapters on my website. Then you can pick up the physical book or the ebook on Amazon or wherever else you purchase your books. And also, I am now contributing to UK Health Magazine's Health Triangle Magazine, which is a digital publication that comes out each month. I wrote an article about aging called Aging as a Choice uh, last month, uh, this month rather, in February. And then in March, I'm going to have another article, uh, part two of that. So I hope you'll check that out and subscribe. And we've got a lot more guests on the way. So I'm so appreciative of being here with you each and every week. And I thank all my wonderful guests, my 700 plus guests I've interviewed. I thank my wonderful producer, Chris, who does such an amazing job. And also, most of all, I thank you, our rapidly growing audience worldwide. It's a blast and we've got a lot more coming. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to see everybody next week. And until then, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. (laughs) 